Tonight I'd like to start with a clip from a fil- one of my favourite films, Bruce Almighty. I'll give you a little bit of a kind of feed into the clip. Bruce Almighty is about a guy called Bruce, funnily enough. And uh, he is a newsreader for Channel 7. Uh, and it's about his encounter with the divine, with God, uh, and what that does for him. And we're, the clip we're going to watch now, uh, Bruce has just sworn quite badly on live television uh, and has subsequently been fired. So he's not had a great day and he's pretty hacked off with life. Bruce has had one of the worst of days. He's convinced on that online, God is ignoring me. You know, God speaks to me and just ignores everything that happens around him. And, and um, for those of you who've seen the f- film, I'll, I'll, I'll can tell you a little bit more. If you haven't seen it, I don't want to spoil it. But, but suffice to say that Bruce has an encounter with God um, who answers his questions, who speaks to him, who meets with him face to face. And I wonder tonight how many of us really want God to speak to us. I wonder if we're thinking about a particular life decision, you know, GCSEs, A-levels, what job to get. Are we wondering about a relationship or a career? Um, are we looking for help during a difficult season of life? Um, you know, my, maybe like Bruce, everything seems to be going wrong around us. And what we're just saying is, God, please, what on earth is going on? Speak to me. Maybe we've got a dream to do something amazing. Maybe we've had a longing in our heart to start a ministry or, or do something for God. And, and we're just not sure if it's just us, our own imagination, or maybe is God calling me to do that? But I think for most of us, if not all of us, we can relate to that desire perhaps. God, would you speak to me? Tell me what you want me to do. Answer me. Maybe not quite with the same passion and anger that Bruce had, but maybe. Maybe that kind of frustration has kind of boiled over. And I want to say this. One of the most important themes through the whole of Scripture uh, is that God speaks to people. Um, Throughout the Bible, we see that happening. Um, In the Old Testament, you see God constantly communicating uh, with his people. You know, he walks in the garden with Adam and Eve. Or with Adam, we're told, and they walk and talk as friends. Um, uh, God speaks to Abraham and leads him to become the patriarch, the father of the Jewish faith, of the Jewish people. He speaks to Moses and tells him to lead his people out of Israel. In fact, him and Moses, they have conversations and it's likened to a friendship. Uh, he speaks to Israel, gives them the law. You know, if you're reading the Bible in a year at the moment, we're just hitting the start of the law. And it can feel quite hard going, can't it? But if we remember behind it, it's God communicating to his people, speaking to his people, leading his people, guiding his people. We can see that relationship that God longs to have. You know, later in the Old Testament, God speaks to his people through the prophets, uh, through Isaiah, through Malachi, through Jeremiah. He's calling his people back to himself. God is constantly talking to people. And it's not just uh, to kind of his own people, to Israel. God speaks to other nations, to other groups of people. God is constantly talking to people. In fact, God is so keen to speak to his people that he even speaks through a donkey to get their attention. Do you get the picture? God is really excited and keen and desperate, if you like, almost, to speak to his people, to speak to you and I here tonight. And why would God want to speak to us? Why would God want to speak to you and to me? What is it about God or what is it about us that means that he wants to speak? Well, I think that Jesus gives us 
the answer to that question. We know the story. Jesus is uh, baptized by, uh, by uh, John the Baptist. Uh, he's uh, filled with the Spirit. And he's sent, the Bible says, into the desert uh, by the Spirit, into the wilderness, uh, to be tempted. And the first temptation, um, the, kind of the enemy comes to him and says, you know, you're, oh, Jesus is hungry. He's been, he hasn't eaten for 40 days. And the enemy comes to him and says, you're hungry. You're powerful. Why don't you turn these stones into bread? Doesn't seem like a bad idea to me. Why don't you turn these stones into bread? Satisfy your hunger. And Jesus says this. He says, man or woman, people can't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And Jesus there is quoting from Deuteronomy. He's saying, you know, man cannot live on bread alone. We can't. The physical world isn't enough for us. We're not just made for kind of everyday life. We're not just made for the kind of mundane sort of what we do, going to work, eating and drinking, kind of even just the people we meet. We're made for more. We're made to live on the words that come from God's mouth. In fact, those words, those are the words that bring us to life. You know what? Back to the creation story. When God made man, he put his breath, his breath into Adam. And that's what brought him alive. We're made to be dependent on what God says and what God does. This, the, the word that Jesus used to describe word, if you like, in that temptation is this. It's called rima. It's a Greek word that doesn't just mean kind of the whole of the Bible. It doesn't just mean, well, we have to read lots or whatever else, although that's good to do. It's great that as a church family, we've been looking through the Bible in a year. But it's a word that is specific to that situation. It's, it's kind of a pinpoint word, if you like. It's like the beep of Bruce's pager. It comes in a situation and a, and a particular time that we're in. It might be a scripture. It might be a word. It might be a picture. Um, but it's a daily thing. It's something that we're to have regularly. You know, we need to live day by day on the words that God brings us. About two years ago, um, Nell and I spent six weeks in a, a church in Chicago. It was a fantastic time. It's a great city. Um, and we had real fun and kind of learnt loads from this, this fantastic church. And one of the highlights for me was when we met with the children's pastor there. Her name was Eloise. She was, uh, she'd been there for a long time. But we talked a lot about how they did children's work at the church and how it all worked and kind of all the practical stuff. And it was really helpful. But one of the things that we were really keen to do is to ask her, ask her to pray for us because she was known as someone who kind of had prophetic words for people. And, you know, she would just listen to God and, and then share those, what she felt God was saying to the people she was praying for. And we were really keen because like so many of us, aren't we? We'd love to know what God thinks about us. We'd love to know what God wants to say to us. I mean, imagine now if God were just to come down and just speak to you or to you, what, what might he say? Doesn't that intrigue us? I think it intrigues me. And, and so we, we sat with her and we prayed with her and she prayed for us. And, and then she just started to share what she felt God was giving her, um, giving her for us. And I'm not going to go into the details, um, but what she said was so encouraging made us feel so loved by our Father in heaven, helped us, kind of confirmed our faith, kind of made our calling to kind of leadership and pastoral ministry kind of more secure. And in fact, I read them this afternoon. I wrote them all down. I read them this afternoon. And even this afternoon, it kind of encouraged me and fired me up. And I thought, that's great because that's what God thinks of me. It wasn't just kind of, you'll do this or you'll do that. It was, this is what I think of you. Because man 
or woman can't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And tonight I want to talk about prophecy. And prophecy is simply that. A prophecy is a message from God that we share with someone else. Um, the gift of prophecy in that passage I'm going to read to you in a moment uh, is simply that. We, we receive a gift, a, a word, a scripture, a picture for someone else, and we share it with them. That's all it is. It's really simple. Um, and as we said, you know, so many of us, we would love to know what God thinks of us, what God's saying to us. And tonight, my prayer is that all of us would hear from God that we would get that word for today, that encouragement, that strengthening, that challenge perhaps that we need. So if you've got a Bible, I'd like you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We're just going to look at four verses. And just to give you some context as you're turning there, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 to 14 is, is Paul's longest kind of uh, collection of teaching on spiritual gifts. It's in the context of a letter to the Corinthian church who were a kind of an amazingly vibrant and challenging and slightly kind of wacky place. Um, Paul is talking about worship in the context of the gathered people of God. Uh, here's how you're to behave and here's how you're to deal with these things called spiritual gifts. And these spiritual gifts are grace gifts. It's not about you get more when you're better at being a Christian. It's about grace. It's about God just gives them to people. Just gives them to whoever he wants. Just generously gives out gifts. And as Barry and um, Rachel last week have, have kind of opened that up for us, God gives gifts to his people, to us as a body, corporately. God gifts gifts of tongues or healing or prophecy or whatever it might be. And I want to kind of focus in on prophecy tonight. So 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. Let love be your highest goal, but also eagerly desire spiritual gifts that the Spirit gives, especially the gift of prophecy. For if your gift is the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking to God but not to people, since they won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. But one who prophesies is helping others to grow in the Lord, encouraging and comforting them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally in the Lord, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. So firstly, the first question, if we're talking about prophecy, what is prophecy? Well, as I said, it's, the, it's a message from God that we receive and we give to someone else. It's really simple. It might be for an individual. It might be well, you're praying for someone and you feel that God's got an encouragement for them and you share it. That's a prophetic word, if you like. It might be for a whole community. You might tonight, and we're going to wait on God and ask God to speak to us. Um, it might be that you have an encouragement or a word for, for all of us to, to kind of receive and to grow with. It might be for an even bigger group than that. It might be just for a family or for a couple or for whoever it might be. But it's a message or a word from God that we give to someone else. It's a gift that God wants to give to every Christian at different points and different times. All of us are included. Um, there's a really important scripture about prophecy from the Old Testament. A guy called Joel wrote it, and it says this. And afterwards, after all that's happened, after Jesus died on the cross, Joel's looking forward to that. I will pour out my spirit, says God, on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. It's really important to get this thing. 
Everybody gets to play. Everybody gets to use the gifts that God gives. No one is left out. Now, this passage is written in a time of kind of male-dominated leadership. So for Joel, the prophet, to say, I will pour out my spirit on all people, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit. Joel is making the point, and God is making the point to us. Everybody gets to play. There's no one excluded in the people of God. Your age doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're young or you're old. Your gender doesn't matter. Your experience doesn't matter. Everyone gets to be involved in this. Everyone gets to seek, eagerly desire, and seek the gift of prophecy. Isn't that great? It's not for the special people, whoever those special people might be. But we always think they're there somewhere, don't we? We always imagine that there are better Christians than us. People who follow Jesus more kind of enthusiastically, or they pray more than we do, or they're just holier than I am. And, and it's always good to kind of press into those things and, and to you know, seek God more, to pray more and everything else. But ultimately, God wants to remind us it's about grace. These gifts are grace gifts for all of us. Everyone gets to play. So if that's the gift of prophecy, where should we prophesy? Well, as I've said, Paul is talking to the gathered people of God. People who've come together, like tonight, like a life group, like a cell group, whatever it might be, like a prayer triplet, uh, a worship service, whatever it is. It's an opportunity for prophecy to hear God's voice whenever we gather together. But it isn't just for the inside of a church service or a church building. It's to be taken outside as well. And Jesus did that, and you, we see countless examples but one I want to remind us of is this when Jesus uh, in John chapter 4 he meets the woman at the well the Samaritan woman so we know that story um, he had a prophecy for her when he met her they sat down and, and um, uh, by a well in the middle of the day and and Jesus asked her for water and in the subsequent conversation Jesus said to her well would you go and get your husband And he knew full well that she'd had five husbands and the guy she was with at the moment, she wasn't married to. It was a scandal. You know, he spoke into her life. He he pointed out something in her life that wasn't right and continued to engage in that conversation. He knew that her relationships were a mess and really broken. But after that encounter with Jesus, after that prophetic word from Jesus to her, this same woman who was avoiding everyone else, that's why she was there in the middle of the the day, ran off shouting back into the village or the town, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Jesus said, let's take it outside. He showed it, he demonstrated it. And she was a Samaritan, she was an enemy of the Jewish people. But yet, they get to hear the voice of God. You see, God wants to speak to everyone, regardless of race or religion. Whether you're here tonight and you call yourself a follower of Jesus or not, God wants to speak to you. Um, I'll tell you a story. I was, a couple of years ago, I was in Bristol and I was in a coffee shop, which uh, was a favorite pastime of mine, still is really. Um, And I felt God prompt me and when I say prompt me, I mean, I just felt a kind of prod in my heart. I noticed someone who was outside. He was working for the NSPCC, I think, um, on the corner where two roads meet. And he was kind of, you know, they call it, is it chugging? Is that the word for it? Well, you kind of, you're collecting money and you kind of, everyone who walks past, you're trying to get them to fill a survey in and get them to give money. And, you know, you can see people crossing the street 20 yards up the road. And so these guys try and cross the street and it's all kind of chaos. And so... 
I felt God prod me. There's a guy there. He said, I want you to buy this guy a coffee. I thought, that's okay. It's £2.50. I can afford that. That's no problem. So I went outside to him and said, hi, mate. My name's Chris. I'd like to buy you a coffee. And he went, I said, my name's Chris. I'd like to buy you a coffee. What coffee would you like? There's a Starbucks right there. And in the end, I managed to get him to speak. And he said, I'd have a whatever it was, an Americano or something. And um, so I took him out this coffee and I said, I, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian. I um, just wondered if there's anything I could pray for you for. And he said, you know, it's really funny. He said, you're about the fourth or fifth Christian this week in different cities that have done this for me. And I thought, really? <laughs> I, said, um, I said, so where else have you been? He said, I've been in Cardiff and these Christians, they buy me coffee there and ask to pray for me. And in Bristol, there's at least two other people who've done the same thing. And and I said, well, that's really funny because just up the road's my church and called Woodlands. And he said, Woodlands? And I, someone came yesterday and talked to me about this church, Woodlands, and I really want to come. And can, how do I get there? I said, well, it's just literally five minutes walk up the hill. And we got into a great conversation. You see, Jesus is at work in all kinds of places. And he wants us to speak his words to others. The gift of prophecy is to be used anywhere, inside the church, outside the church, God wants to speak to any people, people who call themselves followers of Jesus, people who are seeking for Jesus, people who have no interest in Jesus. God wants to speak to people. So that's the, the what, the where, and the how. How do I prophesy? What does it mean to be a prophet? Um, well, first thing is this, is we're to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. That's what the, um, Paul says, eagerly desire, especially the gift of prophecy. And I think sometimes we can be really passive about spiritual gifts. We kind of will ask God to give us gifts, but we're not that keen to use them. Um, it's almost like uh, we want to seek a collection of ornaments. You know, I'd like, I collect something, I'd like more of them. So I've had this one gift. Can I get a whole lot, put them on my windowsill, and show everyone that I've got a complete set? But God wants to give us gifts as tools for a job. They're to be used and put into practice. Um, it might be, you know, if we want the gift of tongues, that special language to pray when words fail us, well, maybe it's good that we're going to pray more and use that gift. If it's a gift of healing, well, maybe God wants to give us that gift so that we'll pray for people to be healed. Um, If it's the gift of prophecy, God probably wants us to share what he gives us with other people. It requires us to do something. God gives gifts that we're willing to use. So the first thing is to eagerly desire it, to seek after it, to ask a lot. Jesus said, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be opened. And you know how much more, Jesus said, does the Father love to give the Spirit to those who ask? The second thing is this, our attitude matters. In 1 Corinthians 13, which is kind of a well-known wedding reading about love, Paul's talking to the church about worship. He's saying that with everything you do, love has to be your motive. And not just kind of a nice warm feeling, well, I like those guys, so I'll be kind to them. It's a sacrificial giving love, putting the other person first as if they were you. So how would that work in the context of spiritual gifts? Well, I think if we love others sacrificially, we would really like them to hear from God. If we love others sacrificially more than ourselves, we would love that God would heal them and we'll probably pray more for them. If we love others with that sacrificial love, we'll want them to grow in their faith, to know Jesus better. 
And if that's our motive, God loves it. Loves to give us gifts when that's our motive. I think, I have to say from my own experience, I hear God more clearly for people if I love them. If I'm active in serving them. If I want to invest in their lives. If I'm, you know, a classic example is um, for my wife, Nell. Um, If I've upset Nell, which is clearly a rare event, um, she's not that keen to say nice things to me, maybe. She is, actually. She's incredibly generous. But you get the idea. Is that the more we love someone, the more we are disposed to serving them, to an action, if you like, of love, the more we'll hear God for them. Prophecy works best in the atmosphere and context of love, of self-giving, sacrificial love. Our attitude matters. Um, in verse 3 of chapter 14, Paul says this, But the one who prophesies is helping others grow in the Lord, encouraging and comforting them. If we get a, what we think is a word from God, and it isn't encouraging, or maybe it's not comforting, or maybe it's not strengthening, do you know the best thing to do is just to hold on to it for a bit. Don't share it with that person straight away. It's okay to do that. Because actually, if it's not those three things, one, it might not be from God, but if it is, it might just be for something for us to pray about. But I want to give that caveat, because when we talk about prophecy and hearing God's voice, God does, we don't see it perfectly. We don't get it kind of a clear kind of beam. It's, it's, it's kind of mixed in with our humanity. God speaks through some people, through pictures. It was great a couple of weeks ago when Catherine was painting, and so many of us were kind of, God spoke to us so powerfully through pictures. I'm a words kind of person. God speaks to me through words more than pictures, if I'm honest. We're different. We don't get the full thing. But just to say, it's a good rule of thumb, I think, because it's scriptural. Is it encouraging? Is it strengthening? Is it comforting? If it's not, let's hold on to it. If you want some wise advice, find your life group leader. Talk to someone who's a bit more experienced. But, you know, not for gossip or kind of sharing purposes. You know what I mean? Let's, um, let's just kind of test and weigh those things. So our attitude matters, number two. Number three is a variety of ways. I've just said, you know, God communicates through us in a variety of ways, be it through art or song or word or scripture, um, whatever it might be. Um, again, all those variety of ways, they all come up against the Bible. Does, uh, does our prophecy kind of weigh against this? Does, is what we're saying uh, kind, of in, kind of congruence with the Bible? Because I don't think God's ever going to tell us to break up a marriage. I don't think God's ever going to tell us to steal or be dishonest because the scripture's really clear. Really clear. I don't think God's going to tell us to just put ourselves ahead of someone else because I don't think the scripture tells us we're to do that. I don't think the scripture's going to, I don't think a a prophetic word will tell us to uh, jump in front of someone else when we're called to be servants. We've got to weigh a prophecy against this, but it can come in a variety of ways. Number four, prayer is absolutely central to prophecy. It flows from prayer and worship. That's why when Paul is talking to the Corinthian church about their worship, he talks about prophecy and the gifts of the Spirit. If we pray, then we'll have more prophetic words for others. As we're praying for someone else and saying, God, can I, would you give me a word of encouragement for that person? Could I speak to my colleague this week and just as I'm praying for them and say, look, I've been praying for you and... and is this a kind of struggle for you? How are you getting on with this? Prayer is central. Remember, these are gifts of the Spirit. We need to seek more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Ask God to fill us again and again. Um, 
In Ephesians 5 verse 18, Paul says, don't get drunk on wine because that leads to debauchery and a whole mess of stuff. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the word filled is just a constant filling. Be continually filled over and over again with the Spirit. And that's where the gift of prophecy comes from. And tonight we're going to pray for each other that we might receive those gifts, especially prophecy. Finally, number five, we need to take risks. I've just said before, in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul tells us that we see in part and we prophesy in part. We don't get the full picture always. We get glimpses, and some of those glimpses are better than others. And if we're waiting for a perfect, clear prophecy that we are 100% confident in, we'll probably never say anything. If you've been praying for someone, if you're praying for someone, whatever it might be, and you have a picture or word or what you think is a prophetic encouragement, then take a risk. You know, if it's comforting and strengthening and encouraging and it kind of, it matches up with scripture and you're thinking, I've, I've been praying for this person, it's come to mind, take a risk and share it. If you've got it wrong, it's okay. Because we don't offer it saying, this is what God is saying and you better believe it or else. That's not how it works. We offer it with humility. I think God might be saying this. I'm wondering, this is what's come to mind. Does it make any sense with you? And if they go, no, it doesn't. You go, that's okay, because I think God loves you. Let's keep praying. It's good, isn't it? It's okay. You don't have to worry about going wrong. You don't have to get it perfect. You're not going to ruin someone's life by doing that if we're careful. But we're humble. We just want to offer what God is giving to us. I think if you take that risk, you will be amazed at what God will do. And I come into land with this story. Um, some of you will know my wife, Nell. Um, she came to faith at university. Um, and this is how it happened. A friend of hers called Andy, he went to a baptism service. Uh, he wasn't a Christian. They were, uh, he wasn't really interested. He just was, you know, my friend invites me to an event and I'll go along. So Andy goes along to a baptism service. At that baptism service, the pastor has a prophetic word and gives out this prophetic word and it hits Andy right in the heart and he gives his life to Christ there and then. Andy comes back to university, to the course, and tells Nell about it. Nell isn't a believer at all. She's not really interested. Uh, She is intrigued by Andy's story And a few weeks later, Andy invites Nell to his baptism. Nell goes along to this baptism service, is so amazed by the worship, just caught up with the atmosphere of things there. Two weeks later, she gives her life to Christ. She gets baptized, invites her friends to come along, and the process continues. The thing is this, one prophetic word shared at a meeting changed two people's lives that we know of and I know through my amazing wife countless other lives have been changed because of her because of what God did in her one person took a little risk stood up and said I think God's saying this maybe we could do that tonight maybe we could listen to God share what we think he's saying and maybe people will be changed maybe we could spot someone on the street who's asking for money and Maybe we could just offer to pray for them or buy them a coffee or whatever it might be. Maybe we could pray that God would give us a word of encouragement for them, a prophetic word. Maybe we could, um, you know, go home, be praying for our family and, and asking God to speak into those situations. Because all of us, don't we, want God to speak to us. All of us really want God to speak to us, to encourage us. We want God to strengthen us. We want God to lead us, to guide us in the good times, in the bad times. And you know, God is a God that speaks to his people.